Association. 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 That was such uber ponage. Hello, fellow nerds from the studios of WBNS Radio in Columbus, Ohio. This is the Nerd Association Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Barnett. And I'm your other host, Mark Finch. And I'm your other, other host, Jennifer Lopez. And I'm your other, other, other host, Timmy Hall. I've wanted to say this for a long time, so if I may, Avengers! (laughs) Okay, that's it. Sorry. Um, Assemble. Yeah. How many people could hear Captain America say assemble on that battlefield? Like I think people? it was implied, Tim. Well, I think they got it. It was also the payoff because he hadn't said it in every other movie. So that's yeah. why I didn't say it just now. Anyway, um, today, it's, I guess uh, we, we should, we have a, what we would call a four booth in the business. Uh, not or only some. Or a foursome. Some. We're having an on-air foursome. It's a GB, you can say it. <laughs> uh, yeesh, it got blue real fast. Um, we're welcoming back uh, Timmy Hall. You can hear Timmy every night, or almost every night, on the Buckeye Show, 6 to 8 p.m. on uh, 97.1 The Fan here in Columbus. We are also welcoming back uh, Jennifer Lopez, uh, Jennifer Lopez hyphen Finch. The, no hyphen. No Jennifer hyphen. Lopez Finch. The uh, the newlywed, uh, <laughs> the partner, the better half of our own Mark Finch. Uh, welcome back to both of you. Huzzah. Thanks. I, I'm really happy to be back. And you know what's going to be interesting about this is there's been no time, at least for me, to read any internet recaps, reviews. This is just oh natural, like straight from the finale from WandaVision. So I'm excited. Thanks, guys. Same. We just finished it like 15 minutes ago. Yeah, and and there we go. We're today we're going to be talking about Wandavision. Uh, that's what you should what you should be thinking of when we talk about all this stuff. I'm not. You know, we're going to bypass that normal thing. And it's worth saying right now, this is a spoiler full review of the entire season of Wandavision. So of course, if you don't want spoilers, then this is not the podcast, or this is at least at this moment, this isn't the podcast for you. Come back after you've watched everything, or maybe you're a person like me that loves spoilers, in which case, dig in, baby. <laughs> I don't think there's another one of you out there. Well, I mean, in, in lots of in lots of ways, right? So, Daniel, I have a question for you. Yeah. How much did you read before starting WandaVision? So I think that's a really good place to to start about like what we thought about beforehand. I am not a person who historically has been a comic book reader but when these kinds of things come around you know the the internet is replete with articles about here's what we might see or here's the comic books that they might tap into and especially as the season goes on like here are the storylines we think they're pulling from and so i can't say going into the show i had that knowledge but as things have progressed and as people that have that knowledge (laughs) started putting it out there i've been I've been very interested in looking to see how they line up. I will tell you, and my question kind of for the rest of you is your ideas about uh, WandaVision before it came out, because based on what I had seen, which was fairly limited of trailers and such, I didn't think it was going to be a show I was going to be interested in. And in fact, didn't watch it for the first few weeks until I heard the internet going like, what? This is so weird. (laughs) So yeah, I'm curious. 
Yeah, I wasn't sure what to expect. I was excited to watch it, though. And then Jen was super excited because she loves those two characters, Wanda and Vision. But my first impressions of it was like, well, is it like a TV show or like because I, I got the I, I got the idea that they're going to mimic old sitcoms and stuff. And it's her and Vision living together in some sort of alternate or augmented reality, something like that. So I understood that. But I didn't know what it was going to be. I was like, is this going to be like a show that's going to keep going? Like I, what's it going to turn into? And then when you watch it, you realize that while it is split into episodes and there's cliffhangers and things like that, it's essentially a long movie. So I was super pumped. So I've been a big fan of just the Marvel cinematic universe since its inception. Um, when I was younger, I was diving into the comics. I, like to read more of like storylines of characters I'm interested in because if you start reading them all then I mean there's like an unlimited number of characters in Marvel but I've always been really attached to the idea of Wanda and Vision so when Vision was created in Age of Ultron I knew exactly where we were going <laughs> as far as like okay they're gonna get together it's about to go down <laughs> and then he dies and I'm like oh my god just devastated uh. um and then I heard that twice. twice. So then I heard they were making the show and I was like, this is going to be weird. And then you start seeing the trailers and it's in black and white. I was like, oh, I am. Sign me up. It was the weekend of our wedding. And I was like, I know we have to like get ready for this honeymoon, but we have to watch the show before we leave. <laughs> well, you know, guys, just to anchor it, can we give some love finally for Paul Bettany and just what a great actor he is? He is such a good comedic actor that I never feel got the respect. And he was always in there doing Jarvis and it's kind of like Marvel just forgot about him or just didn't give him any kind of publicity. And I know there's like, you know, dozens of actors and actresses that they have to, that they have to pump up, but to go like with what you said, Jen, I've been so into the Marvel cinematic universe from when they started promoting Iron Man one, like even before I knew it was an MCU it was just Iron Man. I don't know what about that character, just the the metal Robert Downey Jr. kind of making a, a comeback in his career. All of it I was in I was in for figuring out that John Favreau was gonna have his hands all over that first movie. So you fast forward and you get to where we are at the end and how we had a year gap with no Marvel content through the pandemic, not getting the Black Widow movie. I didn't I don't research things as I've told you guys before. I've never read any of the comic books as a kid, so it kind of helps me stay in the dark because I don't like those spoilers. I like to just sort of let my own mind go and think about, oh, well, what are they going to do? Here's what I know with the movies that I've watched. So we have all these bits and pieces of information. We know there's some kind of linear path. So I keep myself in the dark and I knew with Elizabeth Olsen and, and Paul Bettany and the, the chemistry that they have with the characters, they're the most beautiful couple in the whole Marvel universe. I knew I'd love the show. And like Chops, you're saying, sitcoms at the beginning, yes, but you, you obviously know it's gonna evolve into something else, something weirder. So just how unique it was, the whole concept, the whole idea, all I watched was the official trailer that, that showed up on Disney Plus. That's all I do, and then I just go in. So I was stoked before it happened, and I've loved it now that it's over. Going off what you're saying about like not, you know, reading too much into it and just being more of a fan of the movies and stuff. And I think that gives you 
not a better appreciation, but it makes it a little bit more fun sometimes, unless you're somebody like Daniel who wants spoilers. Daniel, we're never going to let you live that down. No, but that's whatever. weird. Yeah, that's, that's weird. <laughs> unless you're somebody like that who likes spoilers, it's fun because like Agnes shows up in the first episode. And I'm sure people who know the comic books and know these characters immediately made the connection to what she ends up being and who she ends up. It's not too hard to just push her, her sure. real character's name together and it makes Agnes and that makes sense to people and it's intertwined with Scarlet Witch. But that reveal, I had no idea was coming when the Agatha Agatha did it all. When that comes in the, at the end of episode seven, that um, was Agatha, such a shock. The monsters, yeah. Agatha all along. Yeah, Agatha, Agatha all, along. all along. Also, yeah. I just loved her belting that, by the way. It was Agatha all along. She's just so wonderful. It's great. Hahn appreciation, too. Catherine Hahn, so funny. So funny. Yeah, you're right, Chops. She is hilarious. I love her. Can I say to the spoiler point... Um, one of the things, I mean, I've defended myself before and I don't need to do it. I'm, I'm okay just the way I am. But, um, one of the things that Marvel is now doing because they're cognizant of the people that do know the comics really well is they're putting in not just Easter eggs, but a lot of red herrings for things that could be coming so that if you are familiar with those comics, for instance, Dottie Jones was a sort of, uh, red herring for another character called Arcana Jones, that is like the third witch of the hmm. of the Marvel cinematic or the Marvel comic universe. There's the Scarlet Witch, there's Agatha Harkness, and there's Arcana Jones. And so Dottie Jones, this like blonde with the yellow roses, and you know, they they push the color a lot with with Scarlet Witch having lots of red stuff and with uh with Agatha Harkness, Agnes having lots of purple stuff. So that that was one of the, like just for as an example, like an Easter egg they put in there to to misdirect people who really knew. You don't even really need to read the comics anymore to get the Easter eggs because if you are a fan of Marvel the movies mm -hmm. and you read the news, then Quicksilver is a great red herring in this show. Sure. You think you start hypothesizing it might be one thing are that is this going to be a tie-in to x-men because now they finally have the rights marvel acquired them and blah 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 mm -hmm. are they going to do x-men is this going to be the introduction and then you're kind of i know a lot of people are going to be disappointed by that because they were really banking on that paying off as like and we can't say that it isn't yet because we don't know what happened to what was his boner ralph <laughs> well, ralph boner yeah. and, ralph and boner. by the way agnes kept talking about her husband ralph that we never met that's him. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Fietro yeah. is Ralph. Fietro. So, yeah. <laughs> I think it's something that's, I think, a nice parallel. The Marvel comics, especially in the, like, 70s and 80s, had this this period where they dunked on DC super hard, and they had all of these, I don't want to use the term bizarro, because that's a comic book term, but, like, uh, cognates of DC superheroes in the Marvel universe that weren't quite as good or like had the wrong motivations and they would like, they were set as a foil for the Avengers who were like good and noble. And then these guys over here, uh, the Supreme squad or something like that. They were just weren't the, it was like the justice league, but in any case, well, part of the problem is too, is that why people are going to be so upset is because I mean, in Marvel, in the movies too, in the Marvel and DC movies, you have Quicksilver and then you also have Quicksilver. Right. So a lot of people, that was one of the things that, um, that the X-Men movies got right was Quicksilver. Right. People, I mean, across the board pretty much agree that um, his Quicksilver 
in the X-Men. Which one is Future Past? Is it the first one that puts I think over? He's, Something like that. Yeah, he's in that Earth. one and Apocalypse. After that scene, we're there in the kitchen and he's doing the yes. slow. Yeah. That pretty much sealed the deal on the Marvel de- on the Marvel Quicksilver because everyone's like, that is so cool. <laughs> That's how you do it, right? The other thing that made me excited that, you know, we might get this link and then you finally realize that it's not, but also the fact that they're setting it up, I think, where they're going to bring in the X-Men. I think that's something that they're going to do for sure. The fact that witches exist in this world and there are people who are just naturally with some sort of abilities, I think is a really good way for them to make that leap to mutants and things like that because so far if you really think about the superheroes none of them are naturally superheroes you know captain america is you know some sort of super soldier steroid type stuff iron man has the suit that's super technologically advanced thor is a real superhero but he's a god from a different world so that that doesn't really count for earth either can I just stop you guys real quick and either Chops or Daniel fill me in because I know uh, I know of everything of what you're saying with Quicksilver and how you had the one character for the X-Men and then we had, what's his name? And I, I feel bad. I should know all the actors and actresses' names that have played key roles. Aaron, is it Aaron Taylor Johnson? Is that yeah. who played him? Did Evan I get that right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, and I, and I, love, I loved him in Age of Ultron. I thought the character was great. I thought he played it well. But what what was I missing? Like the drop of the name was really funny. But am I supposed to know Richard Boner? I'm sure it's even pronounced Bonner. But what was the correlation? Like was he was he a different person entirely? Like explain to me what was going on there. As far as I can tell, it was that was something for us, the audience, and to have that meta meta moment where Darcy is like, they recast Quicksilver. That's weird. Um, I don't know that right, Ralph Boner that. is anybody. I think it's just it's just his own standalone. Is he just a thing. dude in Westview? Yeah, yeah. I so think he was just, just actually a dude, in, a dude Westview. in Westview. Yeah, I think that's the idea. Yeah, I was gonna say Agatha was sort of casting him because Wanda clearly was saying that's not your uncle. She's still living in that Marvel world, or her or her brother Pietro looked like something else. So. Uh, is that what we're saying? Like, that's just a dude in Westview that got yeah, changed and so over, she, and then she made him be her brother for a couple of episodes. That gets back to that idea. The I boner, think, the boner. <laughs> I think now Disney is dunking on, uh, is dunking on Fox in some ways. In the same way that like Marvel used to dunk on DC, because Fox has been had been used so, to. and Sony. Well, you know what I mean. Fox and Sony have been so difficult yeah. with movie rights and things as as Disney's trying to swallow up all the different pieces of the Marvel universe. I think this is their honestly I kind of think it's a middle finger or a a little bit of like a cheeky move maybe not a middle finger but just like a haha we have the rights to this yeah. guy now too. Um no. and I think it I, is teasing you cleared it up. I think Thank it you. is teasing the X-Men the future of the X-Men because before in the Marvel movies Quicksilver wasn't in that context. Now that we've brought the the Quicksilver from the X-Men movies I think it's Disney's way also of saying like hey this is coming. I think it, another it funny, funny, like, what did he ask her? Do you like Steven Seagal films? Like he's yeah. just some, <laughs> just some dude, some dude in his, in his, in his cave, which is clearly upstairs. So he's just a total idiot. Yeah. It's great. another, another funny connection with that character is one. She picks him. He's an actor. He has a headshot. So he has to act. And then the other one is he shows up in the, the eighties slash early nineties inspired episode, which is mostly based on growing pains, I would say. And there was, wasn't one of the friends in growing pains named boner. And didn't he live like above the garage? 
Oh you my know what? God. That's probably it. I didn't catch that, but you're right. I, think I you're don't right. know it that deep, but that <laughs> that's that's amazing. Like that's that's the kind of writing that you would expect, and the correlations that the, And by the way, like how great were the the opens for the show all along? Yeah, and how they picked certain shows, and it was fun to play that game without looking at somebody's YouTube review or without like stealing it just to see modern family got that one malcolm in the middle i got that one dick van dyke show mary tyler moore like just to get all those growing pains right and to hear the the music the songs that they wrote for every single show too it was so great what's really cool i found this out just like yesterday dick van dyke who's 95 years old was brought in as a consultant on the early episodes to help them make get their look of early television right they brought him in to be like, and especially because the first set is basically the Dick Van Dyke set with a few tweaks. Like he was there to help make sure they got it right. And the, some of the blocking and things like that, which I, I thought that was just a nice little touch, you know? So one, the, the couple that wrote the music for frozen, the Disney movie frozen, it's Disney synergy because they wrote all of those intro songs and jingles for WandaVision. And yeah, you're right. They, they went back to basics but it's hard to do it with characters like vision because his coloring mm-hmm. does not show up well when it's black and white so they have to have like extra lighting they had to paint him blue I mean, vision is like a red or even like there's purple parts to him too but he was like a blue when they were doing mm. the the filming of the black and white with the studio audience that must have been weird yeah But before we move too far away from it, I want to talk about the X-Men connection because there may be more here than you realize. Jen, do you have knowledge of the X-Men connection? So, yeah. Um, So firstly, I want to say that I will agree with you. I think it was like very cheeky of the writers. Um, I don't know if it was like a middle finger, but the fact that they are playing with the audience expectations of a multiverse and then even saying stuff like kick-ass when she's (laughs) (laughs) when he goes kick ass you know it's super super meta and i think going forward Hmm. marvel listens to what we say in our feedback so i wouldn't be surprised if they are going one direction and might tweak it a little bit um but lots of the character story arcs from that we see in wandavision are pulled from different parts of comic book storylines in X-Men. It's a huge event, right? It's called House of M. And that's where the kids are from and Vision. And it's a little different in the comics, but that's where a lot of that is pulled. And White Vision is a different event, but they pull that from there. That's why Marvel's so good. They are so good at looking at the archive and pulling things from here and there and then making it cohesive so that it'll fit and then it's digestible to us without getting super off the rails. Yeah, they've created their own comic book that is the MCU and they take ideas from the comic books, but it's its whole new continuity and they do such a good job still of incorporating all the older stories as well. It's interesting that you you bring that up, Daniel, and clearly like there's X-Men things in play here which by the way i'm i'm not as a marvel fan all that privy to and i haven't gone out and and read a bunch of stuff about what's going on there so jen like you seem like you're you're one of the experts on on what they're doing right there but clearly with pietro 
expert right there. I've loved the movies. I've, I've seen all of them except for the, the newest dark Phoenix one. I haven't got my hands on that one, but I've seen like the days of future past. I think Hugh Jackman for being on that separate track is still one of the best overall actors and how he portrays his character in any of the comic book movies that we enjoy. That includes Christian Bale as Batman, all of it. He's fantastic. And uh, Fassbender as Magneto. He's been, he's been stellar as well. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where they go, but clearly like this is the beginning for Marvel doing more of these shows. And did anybody find it interesting how it was in the title for this last one as series finale, yeah. not season finale, series finale it was written right there in black and white as if to say, this is a mini series. This is not, you know, going to go forward beyond this, except for that's not how Marvel plays it, right? They always leave you with teasers for how characters will continue to be developed. They never shut the door on anything. So it's just interesting knowing that the characters can go on with the mid credits and post credits. And then with a Loki show where they're going to look at the time variance, right? And which we're looking forward to and Falcon and Winter Soldier, yep. like more stuff on Disney plus. What was it like? Are we a week or two away from two, Falcon yeah, and Winter two, Soldier? Two weeks from today as of yes. taping. I want to put a pin in yes. that idea for just a second to say that in the, the X-Men thing, in the comics, uh, Magneto is the true father of Wanda and Pietro Maximoff in, in the right. Yes, that's right. Yep. Well, but is he really it's all connected. Yeah. That's the, uh, but right. think about this for a second. The twins are the first characters we've seen born with superpowers everyone else has either acquired them through some sort of magic or the technology. twins that aren't twins well but the, i mean the yeah fake they, ones right well yeah, but but right. see you talked about the multiverse and and i think hold on point being is we've now seen the first mutants on screen as opposed to superheroes that get some sort of serum or have it unlocked in some other way or use technology or whatever they just were born with superpowers so I think yeah, that's right, your even first the witches connection. one, like it, it's implied that Agatha has to learn to become a witch and needs to join a coven and stuff like that. And there, I mean, Wanda has a little bit of that, that she had witch abilities to start out with, but then it was supercharged when she had that encounter with the mind. Stone. Right. Is anyone going to look past the fact that Daniel just sounded like Kristoff from the Truman show there, the first mutants born on screen. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was fun. That was phenomenal. You have to do that, that face that he does when the music fades up and he's like, Oh, Oh, you can just see how <laughs> beautiful he thinks his own work is. It's, it's great. Thank you. I just thought that's a, another little Easter egg that, Hey, mutants are the X-Men, which they're going to start off by calling mutants. I think also this idea of, um, the director, why can't I think of his name? The sword director. Hayward. Howard. Thank you, Hayward. Wanting to create... Piece of crap, by what, the way. Yeah. White Vision is very similar to the Guardians of the X-Men comics, right? He's a, like a cybernetic protector that is bent on tapping down people with superpowers. I don't think that's the last we're seeing of Hayward. I think Hayward's going to end up coming back in some other role... Um, Having created, he was this shooting program. at children. By the way, yeah, even though they weren't real, he was shooting a gun but at some kids. That's very X Men. The idea that like mutants are bad just because they exist and we need to eliminate them is a very X Men idea. And to me, Hayward was the embodiment of these people are freaks, and we need to kill them because of it. Let's talk about the villains because there's a few, and there's a few where it kind of like a bait and switch with it because there's a point in 
episode, basically at the end of episode three and into episode four, where you're thinking, is Wanda the villain of this show? Because the first three episodes don't really tell you what's going on until right at the end, you, you get an idea that, okay, maybe Wanda isn't as innocent in all this as we think. Then you get, you get Hayward and he continually gets worse as it goes on. And then when you finally see his full true colors here at the end, like Tim said, he's shooting at children. So you're like, okay, well, he's just a monster. And he he's got doctors, go. he doctors footage to try to, to try to frame Wanda even more to make her look like a villain. And then you have Agatha who is like completely separate from all of this. She's on her own agenda that she just recognized this and create this crazy power source went to Westview and was like, I'm going to steal this witch's power too. Cause that's what I do. But she has nothing to do with any of the Avengers, any of sword, anything like that. She's just there. And it's this convergence of these villains. Well, I think that's what's so smart about it is that you have like the traditional bad guy Marvel villain, right? The ones that you're like, all right, well, he's not that great. I'm not really invested in this. Let's just deal with him and then get rid of it. Then you have Agatha, which is like the more Cosmo villain. And you're like, okay, she's something... And oh, by the way, we're definitely seeing her again too because Wanda's got a lot more to learn. I'm honestly, she's probably either gonna go knock on Doctor Strange's door because he's another magically oh. powered individual, and they were saying that she she's more powerful than even the Sorcerer, the Sorcerer Supreme, which is Doctor Strange. Which is him, yeah. So probably gonna see them again. Probably Agnes gonna be involved. Ag well, Agatha is gonna be involved <laughs> with that, but. What will be really interesting is if we see the implications in the way that we saw in Spider-Man Far From Home, where we start playing with this idea of like, what is truth? Like we have this doctored footage of Spider-Man doing all these things. Is he really a good guy? Is he really a bad guy? I think if Marvel wants to go down, go down this route, make Wanda your big villain going forward. Because there, and then you have a complex hero that we already know, and that you don't want to see her go down this path. Yeah, and then to somebody to replace Thanos as the the main villain. But what I, one last thing I wanted to say about villains because I didn't know what to expect from this show. This is obviously, like I said, like one big movie, one long narrative, and I don't know if Marvel's going to handle all their shows like that. We're going to have to see as Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Loki come out. Are there going to be Monster of the Week type episodes where they go up against a, a, a baddie and they take him down? Or are they all going to be these long narratives where it's just the whole season is one con contained story? That's interesting, Chops. And yeah, my, my viewpoint on what they did with the villains here, you talk about Hayward, right? He's not really a villain, you know? He's a bad dude. He plays like the military angle guy. He's got his agenda. He's going after the vibranium, right? He wants to weaponize it. There's that dude in every single Marvel movie. Who was the general, if you go back to the Hulk movies, right? With uh, Even with Eric Bana, you had Sam Elliott, I think, played it way back then, who was great. And then- it was Tim Roth in the- in the uh, Marvel, the MCU one. Okay. Tim Roth became the abomination, right? Yeah. But uh, William Hurt then played the general. And at some movies, he's kind of good and he's playing ball with Tony Stark. But in some cases, he wants to do the Sokovian Accords and all that. But Agatha clearly is the villain in like a superhero movie sense because she's got the special powers. But what's neat about the series is you didn't even know that there really was one for about half of the show. So like you were saying... Do we, do we go with the next shows where there's one baddie, like it's a Ninja Turtles episode and they're fighting somebody at the end every time. But I think that's just going to be interesting to watch going forward. 
Well, a lot of the problem is with the villains is that they're disposable. And I think that's been a big critique in Marvel pre-Thanos, maybe with the exception of Loki, who's getting his own show, is that their villains are monster of the week, easy, very shallow villains super yeah. dichotomous to easy the movie easy good guy bad guy very clear no no gray area on who is right or wrong and i don't even really think that hayward falls into that category because there is a motivation there he's had to deal with the fallout of the blip and no one well monica is his foil in the situation but they don't understand what it's been like for him trying to pick up the pieces of the world's safety after this cataclysmic event so i mean there are layers to it yeah. but like you can't tony stark would was doing that at let's, times right. let's hear from you who is team hayward after he shot at two children tweet at nerd association not me <laughs> 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 there's just some complexities there that get you to shoot at some fake children there i get your jen your point's well taken i i think he's still a villain but he can be a sympathetic villain if you think about it they don't do a good job of framing it that way but if you do your own thinking about him yeah you're right if this guy spent five years picking up the pieces and five years thinking about how if we didn't have superheroes anymore we'd be better off this is all the fault because we never really get that in Infinity War and Endgame. There's got to be a group of people on Earth who were like, the Avengers screwed up. They brought this on us. And if we had just outlawed them to begin with, like people were talking about doing, then we would have been better off. And he's in that camp. And you're right. They don't do a good job of giving him sympathy. <laughs> but that is his motivation. And he's the first we're, he's the first person that we're seeing in that vein, which I think is going to continue. Sure. Can I ask you guys this? Just because Wanda can equally, what's so good about this show and how you didn't need that villain until pretty deep into the series, Wanda is that perfect character character for you to wonder if it's her and they even come right out and say it, you know, in certain, in the dialogue in some of the episodes about, she even says it herself, like, well, maybe I am the, the villain or to, to, uh, to Rambo when she's standing there in the yard. But could you have ever foreseen with all of the characters that Marvel has put in front of us, we didn't get her until, like you said, Jen, she appeared first maybe in an end credit scene. I think it was at the end of Civil War when they showed her and Quicksilver with it being like the, this is the age of miracles, you know? And then she's in Ultron, but the fact that she is maybe the most well-rounded, complex, human, and also superhero type of character wrapped into one. Like, she may be, after this show, at the top of the list. Like, just when you think about everything that you'd roll up into a ball and want to get out of a character. Captain America was way up there with the just with everything that happened to him and how long he had lived and with him just trying to get back to... Why am I forgetting her name? <laughs> Peggy, name. Peggy Carter. What's her name? Captain America's Peggy. Peggy. Yeah, yeah. Peggy I was Carter. just trying to get back to Peggy. But with Wanda, with the angst and the depression and everything and the loss that she deals with, it's just gut wrenching. She just plays it so well. I just think that's why the show works so well. <laughs> when we meet her in Age of Ultron, um, I think a lot of people had that sense of like, what are we doing here? Like, she's a weird girl. She's got these hand things. What's going on with her and Pietro? I think that end credit scene is at the end of, I think it's a Thor movie. I'm not sure, but I know that because they're already there in Civil War because she's team Cap. 
for obvious reasons. Winter Soldier um, is what I meant. But, it was at the it was the end credits of Winter yes, Soldier. Winter That's Soldier. What it was. Yeah, I just watched yes, it the other exactly. day. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. As we're talking about well-rounded characters, let's talk about characters that show up in Marvel movies only every so often, get more well-rounded, but they're kind of flat characters, but you just love to see them. And that's where you get to this trio of supporting actors. Now, Monica Rambeau does have to be there. She's in in, uh, a very important part of this story, but she's in this group of Jimmy Woo, could just be some other FBI guy. It doesn't have to be him, but they bring him back. Randall Park is great. I love him and everything Hilarious. he's in. They have the callback to where he learned uh, close-up magic from Ant-Man yep. after being impressed oh, yeah. with it in Ant-Man and the Wasp. I laughed so hard in because, you know, the, the, the card trick, right? But I laughed so hard when he picked the handcuffs, picked them up and waved them around for a second, went flourish. Just like as, a, as an aside thought of his own. Because that's like a magic term, right? It's the thing you do at the end of the trick to make it look more impressive than it is. I, I laughed so hard. The prestige. Yeah, it's just like, he, you know, picks the lock, flourish, and tosses it to the side as just like a throwaway comment. It was so funny to me. Anyway, they're wonderful. Well, Mar- Marvel, yes. Marvel is so good at making something that can stand on its own. Like I think civil war is the best example of that. You have the motivations in the beginning. We know going forward, what's going to go down in this movie. You don't have to watch the other ones, but if you do watch the other ones, and if you're invested in Marvel as a seer, as a whole, they reward you in stuff like him doing the magic tricks. I think what lends Marvel to doing that so well is they're also known for how good they've been with their humor. And that's how you build characters like this because people are endeared to humorous things like, oh yeah, remember Jimmy Woo does like magic. So that shows up. Darcy Lewis is a is a wisecracker, stuff like that. So it reminds you a lot of like the Simpsons or Parks and Recreation where they can round out their cast of characters in this world. So, so many people can be involved because there's just little character traits that are funny that you remember that endears you to the characters and you're excited every time you see them and there's time too they don't they don't rush anything because they are master planners kevin feige has got a whip on these people where it's like this is a movie that i'm hiring you to make and it's going to include x y and z we can play with it stylistically but here are the elements and going forward it's really important that you stick to them because we have plans for this person from this property and we're going to bring them back here I think I think you're onto something with the comic relief because as great as the characters are and Paul Bettany is so funny and he's he's trying to play a robot wrapped into a human right so it's like what's the comedy style there which he nails right but it just it doesn't give you like those laugh out loud moments in any there's some like when he walks through a wall if you go to some of the earlier movies like oh was I oh, was I not supposed to do that right now I'm trying to I got you. you want to be more human like, but he's just such a cool dude. Wanda certainly is not the one that has the humor just with all the bad stuff that has happened to her, but there's so many funny characters and you're right. They put Jimmy Woo in here for you. They put Darcy in here who are kind of like up in your face about the humor Darcy when she's in the vehicle with all the other specialists, right? First arriving and she's the one that wants to talk. And then it circles back down to the guy. He's like, nobody freaking cares. Like, shut up. You missed your chance. You didn't want to talk. So I want to talk about, because we're, we're, we've been skirting all the way around it. But I think we, it's the time where we talk about what this miniseries means in the greater scheme of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And especially the movies going forward. 
because there's a lot out there about what it probably means or what it's leading up toward. Um, Jen, you showed a look of recognition when I mentioned Avengers Disassembled, because this is a storyline that in the comics that a lot of people believe they're pulling on for what's to come, especially with, you know, we know from... um, Spider-Man Far From Home, that the multiverse is an idea they're playing with. We know with Loki coming back as a result of the events of Endgame and escaping, that they're, that a multiverse is a thing we know from the Sorcerer Supreme in that movie before it was Doctor Strange. Like, hey, if you pull the stones out, it's going to create these alternate realities, and it might not end well for them. Tilda. Tilda Swinton. <laughs> yeah. So in Avengers Disassembled... Um, which plays on a story very similar to the one we see in WandaVision. Uh, Wanda Maximoff slash Scarlet Witch has basically blocked out her painful past. She's like repressed that memory of, of losing Vision and losing the twins, who in the previous story were also illusions that she essentially created or were created to fool her or trick her into things. But she suddenly remembers, and the burden of the memory fractures the universe because by the i don't know for for those who aren't uh, initiated scarlet witch is the most powerful character in the mcu certainly on the the superhero side of things but probably overall is the most powerful just because she can twist reality to her will and especially because sometimes she does it without meaning to (laughs) and in avengers disassembled essentially wanda creates this alternate dimension and the Avengers get pushed into it where none of them have powers. They're all just regular folks looking on at, at all these terrible things that are happening and knowing that in a in another place they could have done something about it. But in this variation of reality, they can't. Yeah, and you're like this, Tim. The only person who remembers is Wolverine. Yeah. He's like, this Ooh. isn't right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, this isn't right. We got to go. We got, we got to go kill. We got to go kill Magneto and Wanda. They, they all got to die. Let's, let's go guys. <laughs> so certainly with the next two movies with confirmed dates are Spider-Man No Way Home and Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. In Spider-Man Far From Home, we've all but confirmed that three different versions of Peter Parker are showing up in the same movie, right? The, they have the, the Tobey Maguire and the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man are also supposed to be yeah. in that movie, which has to suggest that that there's a multiverse thing going on. Wow. Um, sorry. Is it going to be Toby with the black hair from Spider-Man <laughs> Bull, Bully, Three, Bully like Maguire. a really, really cool one? I don't know. The eyeliner. But I think <laughs> I think the implication in that one is that Tom Holland's Spider-Man gets pushed into a dimension where he no longer has his powers, or or a timeline where Tony Stark was never there to help him. And now he has to find other Spider-Men who did it without Tony Stark to sort of help him. And then Multiverse of Madness is almost certainly going to have Doctor Strange uh, probably at first squaring off with Scarlet Witch. Because now they're going to be like, wait, why are all these time things happening? And it's going to be, well, Wanda wants her kids back. And Wanda's jumping from dimension to, to dimension to find one in which her children actually existed. But as she's going through them... She's changing things. She's making, and she's making these alternate because realities. Because she heard them. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's why the, the, the very end credit scene is so important because she's learning this powerful devil magic from the totally. dark, from the dark hold, which is one of those, you know, super powerful artifacts of Marvel. And, and she hears her children. So she's going to go looking for them. And I think that's basically probably going to be the plot of multiverse of madness. And then I think you're right about Agatha coming back. And I think that's where she comes back. 
probably with a little help. Because if Agatha's whole thing is that she wants power no matter the cost, and she couldn't get it from Wanda, she'll find someone who will give it to her. And I think that's going to introduce... Mephisto? So I th- everyone was, was, was speculating about either Mephisto or Nightmare, both of whom have played roles in these stories. Mephisto is literally just Satan. The, capital T, capital D, the devil, which is based on Mephistopheles from Faust. And then Nightmare is just, you know, super scary, like time warping. Think Dormammu, but like doesn't get fed up with like cyclical yeah, well, <laughs> problems. And you mentioned that and it's 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 cool because behind the scenes it's being sort of reported that the Multiverse of Madness, the Doctor Strange film is going to be the first kind of foray into like real horror mm-hmm. for the MCU. So I'm really interested to see them branch out into that because I mean you could argue especially because it's split up into episodes that a lot of WandaVision was just straight up comedy yeah. for periods of episodes until you get into the the real meat and potatoes in the end so i think it's it's fun to see they're clearly good at making aspects of all these but i I, i'm interested to see how well they handle moving into straight you know horror films comedies things like that and where they go from there i mean but there there are sprinkles of horror in the show so even in the first two episodes where it's like they play it for it's a straight comedy sitcom Mm -hmm. um but they have the the wife of Mr. Hart, the the boss of Vision in right. this alternate reality, mm-hmm. um, like saying no, no, and the guy's choking, and they're all looking at him like, uh, that's a really eerie feeling. Yeah. Like yeah. they have that sprinkled in in places in WandaVision. That like scary surrealism. Not to not to sound too straightforward here, but guys, what what did everyone just think of the series? Like now that it's done, like A plus, A A minus, like I. I I kind of was wanting a little bit more closure for a finale just because I had that going in when I saw it was listed as a series finale, but then it kind of jogged my memory what Marvel does and how they have to leave the door open. So when you talk about the mid credits and the end credit scene, there's things that are going to come into play for future movies. I'm good with that. I, I, I thought it was a solid A, like the whole show. I thought it was wild with the sitcoms and the drama and the emotion that was mixed in. I thought it was phenomenal overall. I agree with you. I think it, yeah, it would be in that A range for me. Um, one thing that was so annoying when the the first few weeks maybe or something where people were talking and you could see tweets of people saying things like, oh, this is so boring. And it's no. like, well, not every episode's going to be the last episode where it's a big fight because like we talked, it's not monster of the week. It's, you know, leading up. It's a movie. This is these first two or three episodes is the first act of a movie. So that's what you were getting in there. I, I thought it was great. And I liked those first few episodes. I thought the, the funniest sequence was the, the fake magic show where she had to keep you know covering up vision doing his you know his abilities with her things and i I thought that was great and then him with the gummed up works and he started (laughs) he was was basically acting drunk drunk. and everything i thought that was hilarious i think that it's a great show one because they, they they had an objective an objective was firstly let's set this up going forward because well now in pandemic times we've had a year and a half without anything marvel we needed to be one reintroduce the idea of where these this character is at now and push it going forward the narrative of movies like dr strange and spider-man so i think it succeeded in that objective the second objective i think was to tell a story about emotional trauma and what happens during the aftermath of something so 
tragic happening to you after a life of tragic events happening to you. What is grief if not love persisting? Stop. I'm about to. Which, by the way, is a beautiful line. Quote of the show? Yeah. Quote of the show. That's the quote of the show. Of the series, I mean. Of all nine put together. Jen, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think moving forward into this next phase of Marvel movies, if Scarlet Witch is in fact going to be one of the main antagonists, not necessarily the bad guy, but like forces that needs to be stopped, we needed a reason to believe that. If they had just gone from Endgame to either you know no way home or multiverse of madness and suddenly scarlet witch is this like antagonistic selfish person we wouldn't have had a reason to believe that it would have felt very forced even if you knew the comic history you would be like you guys could have done a better job so first of all it makes her a really nuanced character that you can now you can justify these horrible things she might do um but i also think it was a nice way yeah to explore the aftermath of this universe-changing event of half of the people going away for five years and then coming back in a way that you couldn't spend a whole movie just talking about that. But by having this show, and I think, I I'm, I would guess that Falcon and Winter Soldier is going to do this. I think Loki's going to touch on some of these themes, but is going to be maybe a little mm-hmm. bit more fun. I We need that. to To be able to set up all the things that are coming down the road and to be able to make those arcs believable and with with buy-in and and adding that emotional weight to it, you have to have this show. At least this show, if not, like I said, this and Winter uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Jen, I, I saw your reaction there, and I want I want to do it to you, and then all three of you, because that that quote there that you mentioned, maybe the biggest tearjerker moment of the series, and this whole thing, it was like me as a sports movie fan, just watching field of dreams over and over again. Cause I cannot watch that movie without crying. It doesn't matter how many times I've seen it when the music and like the setting happens, I can't do it. And this was different for Marvel to have a show like that. And it was great. I wanted to hear if you had any others. Cause I've got one specific that maybe more than that quote really got me. And I'll have to sit on the edge of the couch when I'm watching with the wife and the son and hold my eyes open and stretch my face out. I'm like, <gasps> it was, it was when she they took us back to her as a kid in Russia when Ag or Sokovia, right? When Agatha was showing her and the music like ramped up in the right spot and they were watching TV as a family. Right. And she's looking out the window and there's machine guns going off and they're just trying to keep their family in a bubble. And you can tell they're like really happy together and something horrible is just about to happen. And it all just clicks together. You kind of, you knew that the shows had something to do with her background, right? But to see it like that, and she's like sitting, she's a little girl just sitting on the floor watching TV shows and the cute little accent, like Dick Van Dyke show season two, episode 21. And you're like, oh my gosh, like stop. Like, and you know, she recreates the first episodes exactly the way that it's playing on the screen. I was just like a puddle, like watching that exact moment. I mean, it works so well on so many different levels on a very like relatable level when she's sitting down with vision in the, in the vision. Um, and they're talking about, well, like, how can I make you better? Like, you know, what can help you? And she's like, the only thing that's going to help me if it's, if he's back. And I think 
a lot of people have had that feeling that this emotion is like a wave that's crashing down on you and you can't get up and you're going to drown. I think so many people have felt that before. So on a very base level, that's relatable on a not so relatable level, but another one that's equally as gut wrenching is when it, it happened for me, I think I noticed it before Mark did, but when they're going through the security footage and they say, Oh, you think she's a good guy? Look at what she did. She came in and she took his body. Well, in that security footage, we see Wanda walking into this room and her love, the love of her life is torn to shreds just on medical tables, literally being pulled apart. And you're thinking to yourself, like, how horrifying would this be if, if that was someone you loved sitting on that table? Sure, it's a robot, but like she loved him. Oh my God. I was like, Oh, and then she goes in when now they're doing her narrative of the version of events and she sees him on the table. She doesn't want to take the body. He's like, I'm not going to give you this vibranium. Like there's no way in hell, get the hell out of here. She's like, all right, just let me talk to him. And she goes, I can't feel you. I don't feel you. And that's a call back to, to infinity war when they're in Scotland and they're together. <laughs> and she goes, I just feel you. Oh my God. I'm a mess. I'm sweating thinking about it. I think you guys uh, summed it up real well there. I do want to throw in before we get to the end of this, some, nitpicky question type things well, wait, 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 about... wait. i want to talk about my emotional moments man don't all stop right. on our <laughs> stop people have feelings feelings the 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 grief is love persisting was a big one but to me the the moments that that surrounded it where she goes to that that property that he bought because there's that oh. envelope that they like take oh, a few god and oh. and then also that you realize that he drew a heart oh. on it and that was the, the heart, heart on the calendar Oh man, that one's but to me the puddles one, one of the puddles. biggest gut punches that made me just I didn't like tear up about it. I did tear about up about the other ones, but like really hit me in the emotions was when Hayward says to her, "That's just it, Wanda. He doesn't belong to you." I just went, "Oh my yeah, god, that was tough. It hurt. That just it that cut so, so deep. Yeah, not personal. Yeah. yeah. So sorry. Yeah. Anyway." <laughs> What I was going to say. Wait, no, I have one more thing. Uh. <laughs> so, so back to me. Um, when it, you make a great point, Daniel, when you're talking about the implications moving forward, because think about Wanda now, the Wanda that we see at the end of, of the episode, she is putting on this facade, right? She's still obviously dealing with everything that just happened and her like ex-husband is flying around somewhere. Could you imagine how pissed off she's going to be when she realizes, oh, wait, I'm going to have to fuck a bunch of shit up to go get my kids. My my ex is out there flying around somewhere. I don't know what's happening. Like, she's going to be angry. Yeah. So, like, now if, if we're talking about, like, the phases of grief, she's accepted it. We've, we've kind of dealt with it, denial, all that shit. And now she's going to be pissed off. Well, and I think that's the scary thing is now, you know, before it was scary enough when she didn't, when she wasn't controlling it, but you could understand that it was just like this subconscious play of her grief. Think about Wanda not really thinking about magic, taking over an entire town and altering reality. Now she's focused. Now she's learned. You know, she's, in fact, she's, she's, uh, reading the dark hold while simultaneously projecting a version of herself making tea. Like that's 
to me, that just shows like now she's focused and now we should really be scared. If we thought before that she was scary, we have no idea what's coming. And Agatha says that, you know, you have no idea what you've just unleashed. And I think we're going to see it. All right. I let you guys get out your emotions okay. now for Give my us the two, stuff. <laughs> two biggest nitpicky questions of the whole thing. And this one prompted by an article I read uh, by somebody who writes for the ringer, but he's exactly right. Wanda Maximoff, why is she driving a Buick? I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> the Avengers have Product all these placement. Audis and all. Yeah, I know in the real world why she's driving a Buick, but I don't think she'd be driving a Buick. That's that's my first one. And my second one, if you really break it down and you really think about it, at least to her, is Vision just the world's most advanced sex doll? Mm. Does he have I mean, a penis? I don't think he is a sex doll. <laughs> I think I think I think Wanda's that good. I think that adds to Wanda's grief. <laughs> That's why we're here. I don't know. If I had a, if I it had all a... makes sense. <laughs> I'm gonna rock your mind stone. They can oh, they can uh... do the. They can do the dry, but that's about it. Okay. <laughs> Look, if I could get my hands on a sex doll that looked like Paul Bettany, I try to alter reality too. <laughs> he's hair. He's hairless. That there's that. Just on a go. note with Paul Bettany, there were I don't know if you guys saw any of these articles that where he teased that he was going to work with this actor that he had always wanted to work with. One of my favorite moments was a very meta moment where I was watching the last episode and I realized that he meant himself. What a magnificent yes. bastard. He was talking about acting opposite himself in a scene. How, People I mean, are going to be so pissed. <laughs> yeah. They're going to be so angry. Can we talk about that scene real quick, though? The, just like the creation. I require elaboration. Just yeah. like the creation of Adam vibes. Like, yeah. like the biblical imagery of that. And like, oh, my God. Just like blew my mind. So, so, so good. Like trying to convince your you that you are also you, but also not you, but we both are also it. When he started with the ship of Theseus thing and he said, oh, you're yes. familiar. I was just like, this is brilliant. It's he so explains the ship of Theseus, good. but if you knew what the ship of Theseus was before he laid it out for you, I was just like, yes, do it. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's right up Daniel's alley. Okay, I think we're going to I want to close with what was your favorite television homage of it? Uh, of all the ones they did of the different things like what was is there it could be one specific thing, it could be one of the one of the opening credits or something like that. I was a super big fan of the Malcolm in the Middle opening credits. I mm. immediately when they when they break into the the bathroom and she's and she's brushing her teeth and she acts all freaked out like it just immediately Jane Kaczmarek popped in my head and I was like this is perfect. This one is exactly the, like a perfect homage to Malcolm in the Middle. I think mine was the seventies one because seventies Paul Bettany again. Uh, what I do for Paul Bettany? Never mind. Um, <laughs> the Brady Bunch the episode is really good. I just, yeah, I yeah. really like the aesthetic of it. They have the twins. She's pregnant. I like the the magic. How they how they show the magic in that era with the stork and then the show setting up the room. I I really like the seventies. I would have to go with what was it? Episode seven. It was Modern Family. I mean, that was. Hilarious. Yeah. It's just hilarious. 
I think they, also like the scene where Paul Bettany is like sitting in a director's chair, like right outside the van, like getting his interview, you know, like you have the show and then you have just like the subject right there or, or Wanda saying that she's going to do like a quarantine day, which is perfect for us living in the pandemic times. She's just in sweats and a robe. And she has that line about the case of the Mondays. Am I right? It's just the way they're looking right into the camera and giving that extra. It's just so like today's TV, you know? That was my favorite too, because I loved the, there's always so much like meta narrative going on because as we've talked about, like the comics versus the movies and all the things you have to remember and the Easter eggs and the nods. I thought that that episode was just so good for the opportunities to do that meta narrative. And then once again, like dial it up when he's like, what am I doing? Why am I talking to you? <laughs> like, why are we parked? I need to go. Mm-hmm. It was just which is like, a question everybody has when they're watching a mockumentary yeah. too. It's like, why are these people mm-hmm. being filmed? What's going yep. on here? I think that, the that that's why. Yeah, that's Do why that show. one works why am really I well. To you? <laughs> you mentioned the meta stuff, and it's like it's because it works on its front level too. That like it's just funny the lines they're saying, but the satire of those types of shows is also funny. So you get like a double laugh. Yeah, we just take that format for granted because it's kind of there's like so much television. For me, I, I Modern Family, I'm sure, was the one they were actually referencing. But The Office is the one I thought of because I felt like and I even felt like the theme opening was closer to The Office. But anyway, it's that yeah, style. Um, and I think I just it was like it was just perfect. They just like they na- and they nailed every every era of television so perfectly. It was of course, Disney's been making that television for, <laughs> for you know, how many years now? 80 years? Her waking up in the bed and flipping over the covers, and she's still in the traditional Scarlet Witch, <laughs> Sokovian Witch yeah. Halloween costume. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> Multiple times, I think Mark said, she's not bad looking. She's not bad looking. Well, she's no. Not horrible. Oh, and for people who don't know, I was seeing this come up online. She's Mary-Kate Nashley's younger sister. Yeah. Some people don't know that. If this is the first time you're hearing it, I'm surprised. But I, I thought we'd throw it in there in case you didn't and you've yeah, still younger. missed it. She's like 32. She's yeah. 100% the best Olsen. We can say that for sure. Oh, my God. Not yeah. even close. Not, and I'm not just oh. about her looks, but like in general. But can we t- – no, but the, <laughs> but the twins in their prime, Mary-Kate – they solved mysteries, Daniel. Jen, it's not even close. Hey, here's my here's my little bit of a blue moment. The twins in their prime were a hot fucking mess. I wouldn't touch that with no. a ten foot pole when they were in their prime. That was that was post prime. That was post prime. No, anything after New York Minute doesn't count as the Olsen twins in, in their prime. In Olsen okay. twin canon. Okay, I'm sorry that I've missed Elizabeth out on this. Elizabeth Olsen in her red fiery eyes has more talent than both of her sisters put together. It's crazy. You don't got it, dude. Oh gosh. Okay, Mark. Very good. <laughs> Honestly, I think that's the note. I think that's where we're going to (laughs) end. Thank you once again to our special guests, uh, our our four booth today, uh, to Jennifer Lopez Finch and to Tim Hall for coming on talking about WandaVision. Folks, we'd love to know what you thought about the show. Is there stuff we missed? Is there stuff that you, you know, we need to talk about in the uh, in the Internet verse? Well, you can find us on Twitter. Our handle is nerdassoc, that's N-E-R-D underscore A-S-S-O-C. You can also email us, nerdassoc at gmail.com. Give us ideas for shows, or you could come on and be one of our nerds. We don't just have to tap our friends and family to come on here and talk to us. We've said goodbye before, so it stands to reason. (laughs) But we'll We'll say say hello hello again. again. Are you crying?
a oh, little. It's beautiful. I was about to make a Mark will keep tapping me joke, and then <laughs> Tim had to come in with the we'll say hello again. I'm done. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll talk to you next week.